Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 208 and Mark here on WWL. On this uh, slightly overcast but nonetheless very pleasant Thursday, I had the great privilege of walking to work today through the French Quarter. It was a little bit smelly. It's a little bit crowded, a lot of construction, saw a couple hobos, but you know, that's what it is. It was also very beautiful. I saw a lot of people really enjoying themselves. I saw a lot of businesses with a lot of customers. I saw a lot of places with lines out the door. People want to go in and eat their food. I suggest you do that for yourself sometime if you don't ever have the opportunity. Just, you know, just go knock around the French Quarter in the morning on an idle Thursday morning. It's a good time. Hey, good news, cigarette juice. I got uh, my friend Matthew in Ukraine has emailed me. He says, I couldn't get a call out. I can dial tomorrow for sure. I'm headed to Dnipro for a medical thing. Sorry, man. Okay, so he was trying to call. He was trying to call on time, but he couldn't do it because it's a war zone and things like that happen. So we'll talk to Matthew tomorrow, I suppose. I'll find a spot for that. Uh, I want to read a couple of your texts about places to take first date. If you're on hold, stay there just one more minute. Uh, This is from Dan in Bywater. Dan says, hey, Ian, my go-tos are a local bar with live music, an art exhibition, or volunteering. But then I've been out of the dating, dating scene for over a decade. Yeah, you and me both, brother. Plus, I'm old school. Volunteering is a great idea. I love that. Go, um... God, I don't know. Pick whatever nonprofit you want. My wife and I went and did some volunteering with, oh, crud. I can't even remember what the organization was. You remember, I talked about it on the air. I went and planted marsh grass. That was a good time. That could be, I mean, it wasn't very romantic, but it, uh, you know, it feels good to help people. It feels good to volunteer your time for a worthy cause, and you can make that a first date. Absolutely. Uh, We talked about why it would not be a good idea to do a first date at a sporting event. This texter says, If the date sucks that bad on a first date, then who cares about getting stuck at a sporting event? Either leave them and move, just leave, or ignore them like they're just another fan. There's obviously no hope for that relationship anyway. I mean, you're probably right. I don't think that I could invite somebody to watch a Saints game with me and then determine that that it was not going to be fun and then just ignore them. That... I, I don't think I don't think texter that you're a sociopath, but that would be a very sociopathic thing to do. You'd have to just you'd have to get up and move. You couldn't just sit there and ignore them. God, that would make you both crazy. Here's a text that says, My sister's husband took her to the city dump 
On their first date, they found some interesting items which they kept, and they're still married after almost 40 years. Coleman, would you go on a date to the city dump? No. Hell no. I don't think I'm I too would much of a diva when it comes to like trash. I'm, don't get me wrong. When it comes to like doing mechanic stuff, I don't mind getting my hands dirty to fix my car. But just now, nah, I worry too Dude, much about personal hygiene. Like, I, I don't a, like to go mud riding no. and stuff like that. I can't. I can't do none of that. There's a big stuff. difference between getting your hands dirty working on your car and you know wading through piles of other people's uh, garbage. Well, Ian, it brings up an interesting question. What? How much should you reveal about yourself on the first day? Should you just go all out and say, "Here I am, 100. percent This is what you're getting." Or should you kind of just lead them in slowly? And oh no, you got to lead them in slow, man. You can't. Well, I think. I mean, I don't know. I'm no expert, but I don't. I don't think. I know if I were going to go on a first date, there's definitely stuff that I would think, you know what, that's more like third date material, fourth okay. date material. So you don't want to overshare too much right away, right? I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, but maybe some people do. Maybe some people feel like, hey, I want to know what you're getting into. Maybe it's you want to be thing. transparent. Like the older you get, it's like, look, we're at this age now. Here's what you're getting. Bingo. But when you're younger, it's kind of yeah. like, well, I'm just going to reveal a little bit of myself and then see what happens yeah. from there. And the more I open up, the more I'm willing to open up. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. Okay, I got a pile of more text messages to read, but I really want to get to some of these calls. Uh, let's go to Angelique in Bay St. Louis. Welcome back. Hi there. Um, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Loud and clear. Five by oh, five. Okay. So, thought the sound went off. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I just uh, had a well, comment. I'll try to keep it brief because there's so many aspects to the thing. I think it was Dave that called, uh, brought up the what he heard about the he was on the debate about the uh, nine month abortion, right? Which yes. is com- completely untrue. Yeah, it's well, a lie. I Chris Christie this morning on. Uh, on Morning Joe on MSNBC, mm-hmm. and um, Mika was really hammering him about that. Maybe he was the one that said it. Of course, being the good lawyer that he is, he said that he knew that there were states that permitted it up to nine months, which is maybe to mean they don't have a cutoff date, and that's what he meant. But mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because at that stage, it's not an abortion. This is something wrong. And I just want to quickly tell you about a friend of mine. <clears throat> A few years, no, not a few years ago, back in the 90s, she had a, was pregnant for her fourth child. And around, I don't know, seven months or whatever, everything was supposed, but all of a sudden she started being extremely fatigued. She could hardly get up, you know. And so back in the day, they didn't do ultrasounds as often as they do because it's supposed to be bad for the, the fetus's hearing. Yeah. But anyway, and um, so they did an ultrasound and discovered that what she was carrying were it was not a complete fetus. It had broken apart or whatever and kind of was pieces and things, and it Jesus. was starting to act like a tumor, and she had, like, internal bleeding oh and all this God. stuff. And she had to have an emergency, which is called an abortion. An abortion. The, word, the word miscarriage is not a medical term. No. But that they had a t- or she was going to die. And, um, and it was devastating to her, you know, devastating. Here she thinks all this time she's going to have another baby. And um, But that would have been called a partial birth abortion, by the way. And under some of these ridiculous state laws where they should keep their nose out of it anyway, she might have had, her doctor might have had to get permission or go through some process before he could perform that, and maybe she would have died. But, I mean, it's yeah. just ridiculous and, um, and, and you know, the, 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 the misinformation that these people have. And then what about now these attorney generals that can— Get your medical records, and if you go out of state to have a an abortion in another oh, place, yeah, they can that's bizarre. Down and they can 
You know, whatever happened to HIPAA? You know, I can't imagine that's going to hold up in the courts. I know, I know, in I think Idaho and maybe South Dakota, it's now you can't cross state lines to get an abortion, brothers and sisters. That's not going to hold up in court. You can't do that. And then also, you know, sometimes like restricting travel. Oh man, yeah, you know, not happening. I'm going to tell you the, the the bottom line behind this whole thing. It's really a racist move. They're really trying to protect the, uh, with the diminishing white majority, which is about to be a minority in yeah. the country. And, I, I mean, that's what it's really all about, to, to demand that women keep reproducing. It's just sick. Yeah. yeah I, I, I don't think you're them. that far off the mark, Angelique. I know there's people that have, like, really firmly held convictions about the sanctity of life. I also think that there are some people in that movement in that corner of the room that think women only exist as breeding machines for our society. And I don't think that that is right. Uh, let's tuck in uh, Pierre and Metairie. I uh, got just a few minutes for you, Mr. Pierre. Go ahead. Hey, listen, I don't think that we should blame Latoya Cantrell completely for her behavior. Okay. Let me give you a hypothetical situation. Please. You're the boss. <clears throat> okay. You hire an employee. Uh-huh. You don't do a background check. But that check shows if you had done it, it would have shown some criminal behavior, yeah. at least some questionable behavior. The employee turns in timesheets that are fake, expense reimbursements that are fake, and his annual review comes up. <clears throat> you don't pay attention. You don't fire him. You give him a promotion and a pay raise. Now, who's the idiot there, you or your employee? I'm the idiot my, there. My, my point is... New Orleans voters are the idiots. <laughs> they had chance after chance after chance to either not elect her, not a reelector, or to recall her. And well, nothing. Yeah, look, Pierre, I'll stop you there because I want to make sure I got enough time for my guests coming up here. I think it, it, Mayor Cantrell's first election, I don't think there was anybody who knew how bad it was going to be. I mean, there were some people who knew that she might have had some money issues when she was on the council or she was at the Broadmoor Improvement Association. Her husband's joint falls out of his pocket in court, which is suggestive of other problems and curious things about their lives. The re-election was was never going to go any other way because Mayor Cantrell's opponent was a grade A basket case. No disrespect, but really did not have a shot at being a leader for the city or really any other organization there, there, that wasn't really a complete choice. And I'm, I, I, there's a lot of different reasons for that. And as for the recall, man, I really thought that that was going to happen. A lot of people really thought that was going to happen. And then I think everyone was quite surprised at the degree to which it did not happen. So I really take your point there. I got to step away here and I'm going to come back with Devonte Lewis, who's a Louisiana public service commissioner Kind of a curious story about a restaurant down here in the French Quarter, St. John, who got their electricity turned off, uh, you know, sort of in a, in a, in a snap by Entergy uh, because they had all this money that they hadn't paid. But Entergy couldn't prove that it was their money to pay. And everybody got all lawyered up and it went nowhere and it got stuck. And then Entergy said, you know what, forget it. We're turning off the restaurant's power. I'm going to ask him about that. I'm going to also ask him why energy prices are so high in New Orleans in a way that they're not high in other places in Louisiana. 
and around the country. If you want to get in on this, give me a call. Give me a text, 504-260-1870. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. I'll be right back with Devontae Lewis. Stick around. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Breaking news this afternoon. This news is breaking, man. Reading now from Washington Post, Democratic Senator Joe Manchin says he will not seek re-election, leaving the door open for Republicans to flip a Senate seat in a solidly red state. After months of deliberation and long conversations with my family, I believe in my heart of hearts that I have accomplished what I set out to do for West Virginia. Okay. I have made one of the toughest decisions of my life and decided that I will not be running for re-election to the United States Senate. Manchin had previously flirted with the idea of running on a third-party presidential ticket, an idea pushed by the group No Labels, which I could spend an entire three hours talking about, but today's not that day. When reached after the announcement, Manchin spokeswoman Sam Runyon declined to comment on whether or not Manchin planned to pursue a presidential run. So help me God, if Joe Manchin declares an independent run for the White House, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I hope nobody gets hurt. Join us on the line right now is Public Service Commissioner Devontae Lewis. Devontae, welcome back to the show, bud. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We had a nice conversation last time, and I'm sure we will again today. Uh, a local news website, Verite, has compiled 20 years of Energy New Orleans electric and gas rates. Reading from their website, we found that the energy bills are rising at the fastest pace in nearly two decades, even for customers who kept their energy usage exactly the same. The average New Orleans resident paid $1,345 a year back in 2019. In 2022, that same customer would pay 2,148. That is a 60% increase. If you add gas charges, average monthly bills go from 135 to 215, and bills will rise even higher if the city council approves Entergy's controversial $1.3 billion proposal for storm resilience upgrades, which calls for another 20% bill hike over the next decade. 
The rise in New Orleans bills also appears to be outpacing the rest of the country. Devante, what are the biggest drivers of these price increases, man? Yeah, I mean, I say one of the biggest drivers, A, is uh, the, the cost of natural gas, as it has been a very volatile commodity, which means that it goes up, so does it go, uh, so does the, the price go up. But one of the biggest drivers has really been um, the lack of investment in resiliency and climate change. I think what, when we talk about that, one of the challenges is as the weather changes, you have to use more energy to keep your house cooler and warm. <laughs> Uh, in, in the summer and, and, and a lot more energy to keep it warmer. And, and so what we're seeing is this kind of quasi-mix of, of lack of investments in uh, using diversified uh, energy sources, not investing in a strong infrastructure, um, as well as the changing environment uh, that is toppling this. And then to, to topple, and then when you get specifically to New Orleans, uh, you have a, a very unique system in New Orleans that – where we have probably one of the smallest investor-owned utilities in Intergy New Orleans, which most people sometimes don't know, is separate from the big Intergy Louisiana that serves the rest of the customers. Uh So when you are talking about building an infrastructure and investing um, in transmission, distribution, or generation, um, ELL, Intergy Louisiana, can throw those costs around to 1.2 million customers. E&O, can only throw those costs around to 300,000 customers. So that's why if you cross over to Jefferson Parish, your energy bill typically goes down by 20 to 25% uh, because Energy New Orleans probably is just too small, in my opinion, of a company to be an investor-owned utility servicing, especially in a high-climate, high-weather um, risk area. And so all of those factors together, I think, is making – um, what we saw in that report, why New Orleans particularly is seeing this wise high uh, mm-hmm. energy use and energy bills. I see. Okay, so everybody uh, on NOLA Twitter, which is just sort of a shorthand way to refer to everybody that uses New Orleans Twitter and is always talking about politics and business and stuff on there, everybody got pretty wound up about this chart that looks like Energy Corporation's payouts to shareholders is increasing in nearly exact pace with price increases here locally, that's nearly tripling to almost $900 million in the last eight years. Is that cause for concern or is that what any reasonable person should expect? Is that a fair target for criticism? It's a definitely a fair target for criticism. I think we have to go back and as regulators, so us, the city council who regulates Intergy New Orleans and the public service commission that regulates Intergy Louisiana. I need to look at this. One of the things, that the regulatory compact, which is the agreement that government has made with a private utility to operate the businesses, that they have the opportunity to recover costs um, if they are prudent, right? And what we have done traditionally over this last 100 years is we have just used prudency as whether or not they could justify the needs, and if they justify the needs, we approve them uh, to build. But when we think about that deeper, the only way a utility company actually really makes money is by building out infrastructure because everything else is a pass-through cost. If I use 1,000 kilowatts and 1,000 kilowatts costs uh, $30, $30 per kilowatt, that's exactly what my bill is going to say, right? But where do they make their money? They make their money in equity. They make their money in capital expenditures. And so one of the challenges that we've had to do is make sure that the capital expenditures are actually prudent to producing energy and reducing people's burden 
not as a way to make a significant more amount of money, which I think has been part of the problem why you see that. Every time a utility company needs more money, they come out with a new plan to build out infrastructure. And they say, well, we need the infrastructure so I can make your, your bill more affordable. But that's actually just creating more dividends and profits for shareholders. So it sounds like these, this capital expenditure, it, it, am I right that the, the gas plant would be like a really good example of this? Something that you know creates wealth and equity and value for the company, but actually doesn't do anything to lower prices for consumers? Correct. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why you've seen the sell um, is because the Intergy's gas operations was probably pulling them down into a debt ratio, which was meaning they could not, they, they didn't have, they weren't making as much of a return on equity. Right. And so their, their, their profit margins are now going to be smaller. If you sell that company that reduces your debt, that means now you can get a better bond rating. You can now get a better interest rate when you go out to bid for these CapEx projects, which means now you're going to make more money significantly over time. And so we have to look into that as a, as a regulator to say it is not simply about whether or not you can justify the build-out. It is whether or not the build-out is in the best interest to reduce energy uses, to use uh, energy sources that are great for our environment, great for our people, and great for our finances. And that's a question I don't think regulators over the time have truly focused on. Uh, and that's something that I said when I evaluate any expenditure spending I'm looking at is how does this reduce the usage for people because we know usage lowers bills. I mean, I think when everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, I think everybody understands that when the product gets more expensive to produce and deliver, then customers pay more. I mean, that's the way it works in capitalism, if you're a privately owned profit-seeking company, you have a responsibility to your shareholders. I know you have some big feelings about whether or not electricity sh should be a, a commodity in the way that it is. We spoke about that last time. Is there a policy prescription that you could point to that's either in place now or could be put into place that can shield home and business owners from prices that are so high that they interfere with people's ability to live their lives and put groceries on the table and buy their medicine, et cetera. Absolutely. I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to uh, look at making sure that everything is included in our review of cost of services, whether through um, what we call a rate case and regulatory talk. And what I mean by that is let's, let's, let's do a very simple example. For instance, when you hear people say that in, energy rates in Louisiana are low, they are telling you the truth. The rate significantly is low compared to our neighboring states. But here's the trick of why then that's not so true. When you think about the $1 billion plan that Intergy New Orleans has before the New Orleans City Council and the $5 billion plan that Intergy Louisiana has before the commission, that uh, for resiliency to build up the system, that is what we call a rider. A uh, and so that would not ever go into the rate. So when I'm looking at whether or not a company's rate of equity, which is their right to, to earn money, is high, I don't look at these riders because they are not necessarily a portion of that review process. And so while it is not to say that a company shouldn't make money, it is that we must ensure that every time we are reviewing, what is the equitable amount? What is the return on equity we allow a utility to make that it is comprehensive? Because right now, when we look at return on equity, if we use a formula rate plan, as Intergy Louisiana has asked, I I'm not going to take in some of those money. And so that is a, a significant policy that I think can protect people because as long as we are pulling out 
certain capital expenditures and not evaluating that in the rate and then the profit margins, you are going to constantly see an increase on your bill because your bill is reflected on the riders and the rate. Well, when we're looking at their return on equity, we're looking at the rate structure. And so I think that's a policy we can significantly do. How close are we to doing that? What, well, what right obstacles now, exist? Yeah. The, the, the obstacles exist. I think the utilities don't want it. I mean, for instance, <laughs> I've been very clear. Um, right now, Intergy Louisiana has filed a cost of services uh, request to the commission, but they're asking for us to expand uh, their formula rate plan, which is a, a temporary review process for three years. Uh, I just want your audience to know that the commission has not done a full, full-fledged audit on Intergy Louisiana in 10 plus years. Um, and all of these riders that I'm talking about exist outside of a, an evaluation of a formula rate plan because that builds, that builds capital expenditures, that builds shareholders' profits. And so uh, I think we, th- these can be done now, and I think we just have to do it. And, 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 I, and I'm going to push significantly hard that we do a full cost of services review uh, on Intergy before we evaluate uh, their plan to raise rates. That sounds good to me. Uh, Devante, I have more that I want to ask you about St. John, the restaurant in the French Quarter, but i got to take a break. Can you stick around a few more minutes? I can stick around. I appreciate it so much. Okay, my guest is Devante Lewis, Public Service Commissioner. When we come back, I'm going to ask him just what the hell happened with St. John. They said they got their energy shut off because Entergy said, well, you owe us $40,000, but we can't find the meter. Nobody knows where the meter is, so we're going to shut your power off. Well, how did they shut the power off if they don't know where the meter is? I'm going to ask Devante about that and a couple other things before I let him go. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back after this. Stick around. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Eric Cook is the owner and executive chef of the restaurant St. John in the French Quarter, amongst other properties. Last week, he posted in a now-deleted post on Instagram. I'll just try and read some of the highlights here. The city of New Orleans is in crisis. It's being played like an old rerun of a comedy of errors. We have become blinded by the light of poor leadership and a mayor who left the building long before the curtain has even dropped. That lack of accountability runs from our city hall down to the very companies that paint an even lighter shade on our portrait of the New Orleans that once was. I'm speaking of Entergy New Orleans and Entergy Louisiana. I could loop in the sewerage and water board, but why beat a horse that's already been dead and buried? Entergy New Orleans has shut off the power to our building, a building that we do not own. A building that they do not even have the slightest idea of who is responsible for the meters that they own and installed or where those meters even exist on the property. So like all things NOLA, we pass the buck to the next administration or business owner to deal with the pile of inadequate leadership and accountability. $40,000. That is the bill that they are saying we need to pay for a ghost meter that they cannot even determine its location on the property. This is the second time they've done this to me uh, during COVID. New Orleans has changed. It's lost forever. The culture is being destroyed, yada, yada, yada. 
Devontae Lewis is my guest. He's a public service commissioner. This is pretty squarely in his uh, wheelhouse. Devontae, what happened here, man? Yeah, so I, full disclosure, Intergy New Orleans is the electric provider, which means the regulator for a St. John restaurant is technically the city council. And so um, a lot of people, uh, of course, reached out I to see. me because I it's kind see. of all the same thing. So I, but I did pass on, I did some initial calls, but I did pass on uh, the work to Councilwoman uh, Moreno, who I think uh, brokered the deal. But as I know, I mean, what I've discovered is we, we, we've seen it a lot with commercial users where, where, the, where their bills uh, are significantly high and it's making them have tough choices. And this is also what I talk about when we talk about uh, transforming our utility system. This is not just for your home. It is about for those big commercial users, those uh, those businesses that you go in and out every day. I mean, that is using a significant amount of energy. And so I think we have to be very clear. We have to talk about disconnection policies. I've made that a, a priority um, that they should be, in my opinion, rare, um, but we should have a process and a procedure to ensure that if they are going to happen, uh, that customers are are aware and knowing. Um, I, when, when, when I talk with Intergy New Orleans, uh, they allege it was a dispute between uh, St. John and them. I let uh, the city council as a regulator kind of broker the peace. <laughs> so I'm not sure kind of what the end solution or the end resolve was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in my conversation, um, the, to, to the ghost meter part, uh, it seems to be just, I think, a, a bit of a misunderstanding on both parties. Um, Intergy New Orleans has what we call AMI smart meters. Uh, but they also do take the fiscal meter away after they disconnect. Ah. Um, and so I think what happened is that uh, the, since there's not a meter man going out there every month, they yeah. just ask the question of where where is your meter, not that they didn't actually collect that data gotcha. or know that information, okay. but that they just wanted to make sure they were precisely locating the meter they had already shut off. Uh, is my understanding from talking with Intergy New Orleans. Got it. Okay, so yes, thank you for the clarification. This is not actually your specific jurisdiction, but the reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because I see on Twitter, I mean, I, I this post really took off on Instagram and on Twitter, and I, I saw you being tagged in it all the time. I saw you posting about it. People are asking you on Twitter all the time for you to help them. And this is a matter of access. I mean, do you find that that's a good way to keep in touch with people who rely on your leadership and guidance for these issues? Absolutely. I mean, I think it is a kind of a, a weird setup, right, that a lot of the people of New Orleans say, hey, I went in and voted for you, but I'm not the person that controls your utilities, even though you voted for me to control utilities. It, it is the only setup, actually, I would tell you in the nation where a municipality regulates a private investor-owned utility. Right. Um, so we do have a, a weird system here uh, in between New Orleans and Louisiana, and it puts me kind of in a, a weird spot because one-third of the people that elect me, um, I technically can't be uh, your regulator. Uh, but what I like to do is say, use my office. We've built a rapport um, with Intergy New Orleans and the council to ensure that I'm not stepping on their toes, uh, but in a collaborative process. So like well, as people tag me, I brought awareness, I called. Uh, Intergy New Orleans, and then I reached out uh, to Councilwoman Moreno, who was already working on it, and then I said, well, great, uh, you're, you're good, boom. So it, so it does help, because now it can leverage, especially uh, if it comes to my office before it makes it to your council mm-hmm. person's office, we, we tag team and work together to ensure that all of our constituents are served. What's the relationship like between the New Orleans City Council and Intergy New Orleans right now, as far as you can see? 
as as far as I can see, that it, it, it's a it's a productive but 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 tough regulator. I mean, they have um, they're significantly looking at their resiliency filings. Um, they have put up uh, a, a significant amount of investments. That they just, the city council just revised their community solar policy to ensure that uh, community can can utilize cheaper um, generation rates. And so I think it is a it is a product of of cooperation and and regulation. Um, I think it just makes it different that there's that there's two major companies right in Louisiana. Um, and only one serves just the, the, the parish of Orleans and the other serves the remaining of the state. And so I think uh, that also brings some just differences because uh, I think there's often times where while Intergy Corporation is headquartered in New Orleans, um, there are two different companies really in, in, in New Orleans, Intergy Louisiana, Intergy New Orleans, and then Intergy uh, Corporation. So I think sometimes that yeah. makes it a little bit hard knowing the difference between all three. Okay, great. Thank you for that. Um, going back to St. John, the executive chef owner who posted all this on Instagram, he later said in a, in a later post that it is his privilege as a well-known chef with a large social media presence. He believes that's what made swift action possible in this case. He also says that that's not really fair and that everyone should have the same opportunity to have their, adri- uh, their, their needs addressed fairly and swiftly, even if they're not a, you know, a minor celebrity or a social media influencer or a, or a public figure. What can you do about that, if anything? Absolutely. I mean, I think that I think his point will take it in something that I said. I mean, I, I, while I appreciated the attention um, that the disconnection that St. John got, I still think about uh, the young infant that we lost two weeks ago in New Orleans East when uh, her mother had no electricity, brought in her portable generator uh, into the house to ensure no one stole it and accidentally um, they all received carbon monoxide poisoning and the young girl died. I, I mean, and that's a story that, that, that didn't get a lot of coverage, right? Yeah. You know, I think there was a few articles, but it didn't have an outcry. Yeah. Uh, and part of what I've said is I don't think we should be making policies um, that – that favor uh, and not trying to cut off a, a predominant business in, in the quarter, but not think about young children and seniors uh, and, and our uh, people with disabilities the same way. And so I think what we have to do is why I said disconnections, in my opinion, should not exist. But if they do, they should be very rare and they should be very uh, detailed and oriented. But I don't think we should just have this kind of willy nilly policy where the utility company gets to just say, you know what, today I feel like cutting everybody off. Um, and, and, it, and, it is, and, it, and it is hard. And so I think uh, that's what I'm working on at the commission, and I'm going to talk with the, the city council as well, to build a stronger policy uh, to ensure we are not only protecting our people but our businesses. Sounds good. Look, uh, Devante, let's finish there with cutoffs, because last time you and I spoke on the air, it was in the middle of that terrible heat wave you know, where we had 40 days in a row of 110 degree heat or something like that. And at the moment, you made kind of a splash because you asked all electric utilities in Louisiana to pause shutoffs while residents were sheltering from those extreme heat conditions. I think it's reasonable to expect we'll be in the same situation next summer and the summer after that and the summer after that until the whole place falls into the ocean. Tell us how that effort went, where it is now. Yeah, so uh, I was pleased to see that a vast majority of the utilities uh, voluntarily agreed to that moratorium as long as the governor had 
uh, the executive order on heat. So we saw Energy New Orleans, Energy Louisiana, Clico, and some of the other uh, utilities follow it. Um, but as you mentioned, this is a common phenomenon with the changing weather, right? I think we, I just saw some data that says the scientists in a few weeks will, will showcase that this was the hottest uh, summer uh, on record. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to start to see that. So we're going to have to, I think, as the council and the commission, uh, re-examine our extreme heat and ex- extreme weather disconnection policy uh, because we are no longer kind of in these just High abnormal days, right? Like, uh, like you know, five years ago, it'd, it'd be rare that you have a day that's hit over. It's uh, in a national heat advisory, right? We're yeah. we're now in places where you'll be in the national heat advisory for a month straight. Yep. And so I think we have to we have to modernize our regulation. We have to modernize our regu- our regulations to fit the current system, and I think that's been the challenge with with utility regulation. It's in a hundred year old agency, a hundred year old industry. And I think we gotta we got to catch up to regulating it as it is today, not as it has been in the past. Cool, man. Um, uh, I, got, I guess I can squeeze in one more. I just wanted to know, you, you took office last December. Uh, how are you getting along with the other commissioners? What are some of the challenges that you've faced since taking office? Some setbacks, some victories, something you want to share with us about what you've been doing for the last 11 months, broadly speaking? Yeah, no, I mean, it's been great. I mean, we have worked well. I, one of the first initiatives that I've been able to pass and we're working on rules right now in a very contested vote uh, was trying to get political spending out of our utility bills. I wanted to ensure that when you pay uh, your utility bill, the commercial that you see on TV, the, the campaign dollar that you see uh, your state legislator get um, are the lobbying expenses uh, that they pay is not coming from your utility bills. And so we are currently working on that process right now to develop those rules. We have done um, some significant work. I think the, the biggest challenge is I think many people think the commission is more like a legislative body and we're actually more like a judicial body. Uh, hmm. When we cool. try to do a rule, we have to, we can do, people do submit testimony, they submit a data request into the record. And so I tell people, I know we don't want our judges to be activists, but but the commission and regulators are a little bit more activist judges than we are legislators. And so I think that's been the, the challenge is that, that it is, it's slower, right? Because you can introduce a bill in the legislature and pass it within a month. You introduce a, a rule here in the commission, it's going to take you about six to seven months to go through the process to ensure that everyone had legal rights to to talk and engage in it. So, uh, but, but, but I think we are five different people. But we have found ways to, to, to get along and work well with each other. And you'll see the votes aren't partisan. You'll look at our vote record, mm-hmm. and you'll see that there's sometimes a very weird combination. I've been by myself. Uh, another's been by themselves. There's been uh, me with two Republicans, me with the other Democrat and Republican, three Republicans versus the two Democrats, uh, a Democrat, and two Republicans versus a, a Democrat and Republican. So we it, it showcases that we're not really partisan, wow. but it's, it's, it's a lot of risk. And who do you put that risk on is the major question for the commission. Well, it sounds like the system is working as intended. I got a text here on the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line that says uh, he sounds like a straight shooter. And I'm inclined to agree. This is very wonky stuff, Devante. And you've done a great job today of helping us understand it. Thank you for your time, your work and your way. We'll talk again. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anytime. Right. Take good care, brother. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to step away and come back. We'll see how much time I have for some text messages. Probably not much, and then we will uh, hand it off to the news. I didn't get to my highlights from the debate last night, so we'll do that after the news at 3 o'clock, and then we'll talk to Jennifer 
Hogue Manuel, who's a fur bearer biologist and the manager of the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries Coastwide Nutria Control Program. Wow. I'm Ian Hogan for Scoot Bear back. Calling all Saints fan in or near Vachery, Louisiana. You got an opportunity to go meet Saints legend Deuce Mack. That's right. Deuce McAllister and Mike Haas are going to be live at First American Bank and Trust headquarters for fans and pro. Join up as we talk Saints football, honor our veterans on the eve of Veterans Day, and celebrate the bank's newly renovated headquarters. Meet Deuce and Haas in beautiful Vachery, Louisiana, at the First American Bank and Trust headquarters tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. on WWL, and always live on the free Odyssey app. On the Oakland Art Jewelers talking text line, I got some more suggestions for first dates. Here's one that says, for a first date, take her to the local street races. It will be fun. What, like Fast and the Furious? I would do that. Here's a text that says, uh, best place to take a woman on her first date is the lakefront with about five pounds of crawfish and a few big shots and a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra. Texter, there's no way I'm going on a date with a woman and I'm only bringing five pounds. I've dated women that could eat five pounds by themselves. But I would hit that up that uh, Michelob Ultra. I'll be back with the <laughs> 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock news bomb. I don't know. Stick around. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 